Welcome to the Outpatient Surgery Magazine podcast collection. Outpatient Surgery Magazine hosts conversations with experts from the outpatient surgery community on topics that impact your world today. We hope these conversations will help stakeholders from outpatient facilities, associations, and industry across the country focus on the future and generate ideas and solutions for safe surgery together. Welcome to the Outpatient Surgery Magazine podcast series. I'm Jared Bilski, the editor-in-chief of Outpatient Surgery Magazine. Today, we are very, very lucky to have in the studio with us Dr. Scott Sigmund. Dr. Sigmund is a national and internationally recognized leader in opioid sparing surgery. He is an orthopedic surgeon that specializes in the knee and shoulder. He's been in clinical practice for over 25 years and is a leader in professional education, medical device development, and has numerous peer-reviewed publications. In addition to his clinical responsibilities, Dr. Sigmund is the Chief Medical Officer for Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers. The Ortho Laser franchise was developed to provide an alternative treatment option for acute and chronic pain to help combat the opioid crisis. Dr. Sigmund is also the host of the popular podcast, The Ortho Show. Today, we're here to talk to Dr. Sigmund about his recent TEDx talk. Changing the Paradigm of Pain Management. Dr. Sigmund, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Jared, always a pleasure to see you again. I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to be able to share the story. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, this is exciting. This is exciting. You just wrapped up, how long ago was it? A couple weeks ago. It's recent, right? Yeah, it's been about two, two weeks, three weeks at this point. Okay. So this is fresh. I wanted to talk to you about the experience of your TEDx talk. So just tell me about how that came about. Uh, I guess it was probably because of my podcast and the, and the history of, of my opioid sparing journey that I've been on. But I was identified as a potential candidate to give a TEDx talk. They have about 3,500 applications that go in, and they take about 8 to 10 on a uh, per annual basis. So uh, there were a lot of people that were involved, and... Uh, you know, and then fortunately, they sort of liked the concept and the idea. And I think that they do a pretty good job vetting uh, the potential uh, candidates because you want to make sure that people are good on the podium, are comfortable on the podium. But I got to tell you, it was, it was a lot of hard work, and I'm glad it's done. I'm not signing up for another one anytime soon, but it was great. Really a wonderful experience. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, you're comfortable. I mean, you, you know, you, your podcast, you're speaking across the country all the time. But this is a, a different animal. I mean, there's a certain amount of gravitas when you talk about TED Talks. So I got to ask, were you nervous? D did nerves come into play? What was the preparation like? It was six months of my life uh, before stepping on the stage for a 13-minute conversation about something that I'm you know, incredibly passionate about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm up on the podium all the time. I love that they, they joke around with me all the time. You know, there hasn't been a camera that doesn't fall in love with me, you know, when I start the interview. But this was this was a different animal. This was, there's no teleprompters. There's no timer up on the stage. You're on a stage with bright lights so you can't see the audience. One of the things that I thrive on when I'm on the podium is the contact, of the eye contact that you get with your audience to stimulate you, to keep you moving. That really isn't there because of the bright lights that are in. It's a full-on production, three cameras, beautiful theater, 300 live uh, people in the audience that are there to sort of cheer you on. But it was, you know, idea from concept to actually getting onto the stage 
was an arduous six-month process with coaches and a lot of people there to help you get through the process. Okay. That's that's really interesting because, yeah, I know I've seen you and I know that the audience feedback is a huge part. So you're up there, you're doing this talk that has been such a huge part of your life's work. And um, when you're doing it, do you have any indication? Is it going well? Is it, how are you feeling? Like, did you, you know... Nervous as shit. I don't know if I can say that out loud. Or not. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> you know, that's how that's how you're feeling. I mean, it's funny when I first started. You know, my dear friends Matthew Ray Scott. Everybody knows him as the Beard on LinkedIn. And you know, I gave him a call. He's a marketing guy, and he did this really cool sort of AI sort of playthrough with me on the concept and the idea. And he ran it through his AI machine, and then gave me all these different personas about how you, you could do this. You want to be the good guy, the bad guy, or the loud guy, and all these ways in which you came together. And what happened very, you know, what I realized is that that was all sort of scripted. And this isn't a script, you know. And, and really when it finally got home to me about a month or so before I was giving the talk is I just have to be natural. And I have to give the talk that I've always given about opioid sparing. And as soon as I flip that switch... Then I settled down and it became much easier for me to go through the process because I'd given this talk so many times. And then then it was from my heart and it was from my heart. Then it wasn't so much memorization anymore as it was my experience. But that took a while to sharpen the pencil to sort of get to that moment. And finally, you know, that's when after a month, you know, we're a month to go. Then you just sit there. And you practice the damn thing, you know, <laughs> I don't know, a hundred times, right? So that it's just rote memory and it's not something that you have to react to. But even that moment, Jared, when I got on the stage, you know, literally I'm walking out, I was still really nervous as it came on. And for, I think it went well. I haven't even seen it yet. Like they take six weeks to, to produce it before it comes out. But I was confident. I was happy. And, and people around, we got a nice applause. It seemed like it was very well received, but we'll have to see it together. Wow. That's that's interesting. I mean, when you talk about the rote memory and every, it reminds me of the kind of work that would go into, I don't know, if you have a stand-up comedian on The Late Show, they'll do like three to five minutes and they will practice that three to five minutes. Just, you know, they will hammer out the details. So every pause is the right way. You have to kind of get it memorized so that you can feel natural in the moment and do what you're talking about is speak from your heart. You don't want any of the, I don't know, the muscle memory things to kind of come in and backfire on you when you're in such a big moment. So that's interesting. It's interesting that you brought up comedians. So the person right after me was Kamran Hamid, who was an orthopedic surgeon, chief medical officer of a hospital in Chicago. That's his, that's his side hustle. You know, just kidding. But but he's also a comedian and, and a rapper. And he was on the stage immediately after me. And he did a wonderful job doing his sort of a variation of a stand-up gig. But it was really about how change is good. But when he got on stage, this was a really classic moment. I had no idea he was going to do this. The first line he uses when he gets on stage after following me is, did you see Dr. Sigmund in Back to the Future? He was really good at that movie. <laughs> 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 and it was awesome the place just sort of lit up and erupted and then he just sort of like chilled out went right into his talk and he did an amazing job and, and like the people let me tell you about the people that were there i mean it was the craziest eclectic people like we had a 20 year old prodigy who had created a suture that turns color when there's infection we had 
uh, a mother who had lost her her son to sudden cardiac or didn't lose but was saved but sudden cardiac uh, failure basically talked about that then we had a, a new york times six-time bestseller uh for uh for science articles and then uh, uh you know a, just crazy just a, a wrestler who uh, uh, who had gone through PTSD as a Marine, who is now a professional wrestler, talking about it. The world's greatest blues musician was there. I mean, just the coolest people from so many different walks of life with, with such emotional stories that just... So I would say to the, to the listeners or the followers, if you get a chance to go to a TED Talk live, it's a wonderful experience. It is really cool. Not just the recordings, but go to one where it's live. It's really worth it, for sure. In terms of the audience and, and, you know, do you know, I, I like, I honestly don't, I'm coming in ignorant. I, I have watched countless Ted talks online, but I don't know about the process. Like, I don't know where the, where the audience come from. Do you, did you learn anything about, you know, the kind of machine that is uh, the Ted talk world, you know? Yeah. So, so there's the Ted.com, which is the parent sort of company. And, and that's sort of the super elite people that are, are brought onto that, like the Oprah's of the world, that sort of thing. But then there are regional uh, TED talks as well. So the one that I was a part of was TEDx Davenport. So I want to give a quick uh, uh, shout out to the team. Uh, Andrea um, uh, Olson, who was the lead person there, who was really my coach, who was awesome in the process that got us to be up on the stage. So that TEDx thing is a regional thing, but you have to do good. I mean, TED doesn't take everybody. I mean, like, so you've got to get invited to the TEDx. You got to do a good job on the TEDx. Then, if they're approved, you get put onto the TED.com website so that you're part of that overall um, uh, uh, place of where all these TED talks are. So there's a lot of like hoops that have to go through to sort of get there. So we're still waiting to hear. I'm hoping that I've been accepted, and uh, I'm pretty confident I will be. But still. What a, what a crazy process to sort of go through about seven, eight months to the moment in which your actual TED Talk's available for us to look at. Yeah, wow, a huge part of your life. But I mean, you know better than anyone how, how important it is. You know, I, I feel like there's a, a group of medical professionals that understand the value of if you have a message – you have to find a way to get it out in the right way. And, and you've kind of been notorious, whether it's building up your podcast, whether it's doing these presentations at the conferences. So this talk that you put together for this, this tremendous opportunity, like what do you hope will result in terms of furthering your, your work in the world of opioid sparing surgery? Yeah, I mean, what what an opportunity, right? I mean, like I'll tell you, let, let's put it this way. My, I've done a lot of stuff in my life. But this is one of the few things that my kids looked at me and said, Dad, you've got a TED Talk? So that really sort of hit me, right? It's how important it is across culture and age groups. And, you know, it's really become a, an incredible medium to be able to share your ideas. So it, it, it couldn't have been more important. And, and really the concept of what we talked about was, you know, what do you do when the world tells you no? Right. What, what, as a, there's so much skepticism, especially in the world of medicine, to be able to change and do things differently. We're ingrained to doing the same things. But, you know, the opioid crisis was just so horrible for so many people in our country. And as physicians, unfortunately, we had contributed to that, where elective surgery, for example, had become an inadvertent gateway to the opioid crisis. And so the, uh, the discussion of the evolution of the change now to what we're currently doing was so incredibly received, even from the audience. You know, when the talk was, were done, 
we had an opportunity. We're literally signing autographs, you know, like rock stars were sitting there signing autographs for these people. And when, it just was so impressive to me that to, to a person that was in the audience that came up to me, thank you for sharing the story. I knew somebody or I had a loved one or what it may be that you're, you're sharing this. We talked about laser, obviously, which is a great passion for me. You know, you can't publicly brand, you know, it's not, it's not for, you know, personal gain, but the idea and concept of using laser as an alternative treatment option was something that we talked about in the show. And, and that was gratifying to be able to share that with as many people as possible. So I just really hope that, you know, in 13 minutes, you know, I can touch the lives of so many more people that will help to share this story and continue to share the story to be able to really help as many people as we can. That's awesome. You mentioned at the end of the show, kind of everyone gathered together, you're meeting the audience. It's, it's a, it seems like a very kind of cool and intimate setting. Did you get a chance to interact um, with your co-presenters throughout the time? Oh yeah. We were all completely nervous together. I mean, it was, because you know, we, we get there the day before and you go through a rehearsal, you know, and that's when you have an opportunity. And it was just so amazing. Like, the evolution from the rehearsal to the actual was so profound for some of these, you know, people uh, that they sort of transitioned, they were reading, they weren't sure. And then they spent the next 24 hours massaging and, and changing. So, you know, it's, it's that esprit de corps. I mean, you've been through something together, which you hadn't been through before. It was just so sort of uh, gut wrenching to get up there that, yeah, we're all high fiving. We're hanging out. We're like friends for life. I mean, because, we went through this thing together. I could text anybody right now and they'd pick up the phone and say, Hey, how are you? You know, TEDx brother, Fro, what's going on? So, you know, ah. lots of greats. Now for anyone that doesn't know, can you just quickly Fro? It's almost like branded. It's almost like there should be a copyright next to Fro based on your own use of it. Can you just give me the evolution quickly of, of where that came from? Yeah, it, it probably came from a dear friend of mine, Sharif Bechet, who's an orthopedic surgeon in Detroit. And, uh, you know, the hair was there and it just slowly started growing. And then we just started and it became like a joke, you know, and then the fro, somebody called me the fro. I think it was him. We call him the flow because he's got long, you know, crazy hair too. And then what became sort of like a joke, it actually is my brand. I mean, like literally I, I walk through a society meeting or an orthopedics, wherever I am, I'll routinely get people tapping me on the shoulder. Love what you're doing. Follow the fro. You know, it's like a, and it has now literally become synonymous with who I am, and it is actually part of my brand. But look, at the end of the day, if you can identify something that you're passionate about and become part of your label trademark, sort of who you are, I think that that's really cool, and it gets you uh, extra sort of familiarity with the people that are out there. I'm going to change gears real quickly. You talked about the what's next, but and we will direct listeners and readers of the magazine there for sure. But 13 minutes is a really, really short time to summarize all the work that you've been doing in opioid sparing surgery. So I'm going to challenge you to take it even further. Can you sum up your talk in like two sentences for those listening? Yeah. So it was sort of a mea culpa for us as surgeons that had been duped by big pharmacy about the concept and the idea that opioids were inexpensive and not addictive. And it's actually the exact opposite, that the opioids were incredibly addictive. We just didn't know. And then the talk was really about the concept and the idea and the journey of moving away from addictive opioids 
to opioid alternative solutions for our patients so that you can safely and effectively undergo surgery and not worry about becoming addicted to opioids. Well done. That's perfect. There you go. Uh, I'll do a TED Talk with you anytime. Uh, That's super easy. That was like 60 seconds. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I try to make it a little bit less pressure, you know, but of course it's just me. Yeah, no, I appreciate that very much. I guess the last question we have for you, Dr. Sigmund here is, so you've done this. The ortho show will obviously continue to grow. Um, you're going to continue to speak. I don't imagine your work in terms of promoting opioid sparing surgery kind of tapering off anytime soon. So what's next for you professionally or personally? Yeah, I think the next thing, big thing that I'm going to do, we're really excited about is I'm going to write a book about this stuff, about how you as a physician can identify a pathway to develop a brand so that your ideal patients can find you. I'm doing that with Matthew Ray Scott. We're co-authoring the book together. We're going to have an on-demand class as well. Uh, which we're very excited about. So the concept and the idea is we're going to have avatars of some of the the best orthopedic surgeon specialists in the world and how they've developed their brand. So are you a society meeting specialist? Are you a research guru? Are you an educational type person? And literally you can pick and choose the, the attributes of these amazing leaders and then help to de develop a personal and professional brand for yourself and then we're going to help to teach you how to message that so that you can be whoever it is that you want to be for the big wide world of the internet to be able to share it out there. And I think it's just a marvelous way to communicate to your patients about who you are. Wow. It sounds like you're, you're well underway in that. Like it sounds like, so a combination of, you know, educational, there's on-demand learning on top of a book kind of all in the same package. Um, do you have any tentative deadlines or what we can look for? I think we're going to have the book out hopefully in the first quarter of next year, and then the course should uh, be following uh, shortly after that. We want to develop a little bit of street cred with the book so that people can read about it, get a sense of who we are and what we're doing. And then the funny thing is, you know, it doesn't matter if you're fresh out of residency and just starting a practice or you've been in practice for 25 years. Marketing and the concept of a brand used to be taboo, but 75 to 80% of patients go online. They're researching about you as a physician, who you are, checking out your reviews before they're going to sign up to see you. So it makes sense to develop a message that's consistent with who you are so that those patients can find you. Absolutely. They're going to do it anyway. So it makes sense for you to use everything, all the tools at your disposal with the internet today and, and get your message out there as succinctly as possible. So. Well, I am so looking forward to this talk and we will continue to update our listeners. I can't thank you enough for joining us today, Dr. Sigmund. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it is my pleasure, Jared. Keep up the great work that you're doing there as well. And it's just always a privilege to be able to share our message. And I really greatly appreciate the opportunity today. Thank you so much. All right. And enjoy the rest of your busy day because I know they all are for you. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Outpatient Surgery Magazine podcast collection. We invite you to listen to more episodes in our community section online at www.outpatientsurgery.net and visit the Outpatient Surgery website often for new and exciting content.